All righty, welcome. It is uh, three minutes after one on a finally sunny, beautiful Sunday here in uh, in Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us here on the uh, Employment Law Show. You want to reach out, you can right away. Lior Sanfiru, of course, is uh, is here and ready to go. Sanfiru to market LLP, the most uh, popular and the best reviewed uh, law firm in Canada. You can Google that and, uh, and check it out. Reaching out to Lior anytime and his team when we're not doing the show, one 855 821 employmentlawyer.ca. It's simple, but we always ask you and uh, tell you, join the show. Come on, ask your questions over the course of the next hour. Anything bothering you or anything you want to know about uh, your job life, your employment, whether you're an employer or an employee, bring it on. No, there's no dumb questions. We answer them all and we got lots of time to do so. That is 416-872-1010. Again, 416-872-1010. What you're getting wrong about terminations, we'll get to that in just a bit. Plus the uh, week that was, Leora, I know you got a couple things you wanted to discuss but right off the hop into the phone calls uh, an early go we love that get uh, get steve on with us hey steve thanks for standing by for a moment you're uh, right off the top here and ready to go what's up pal hi there how you doing today thanks for taking my call good sir go ahead uh yeah i was previously in a profession and there was a finding of professional misconduct against me uh i went back to school i received another degree and i'm in the process of getting registered with the governing body the issue I have is I have to sign, uh, sign a letter of good character, which asks me if I've had any professional misconduct against me in the past. And it could be uh, if they find it as misconduct greater than minor and in jeopardy of not being able to practice. So I'm wondering, what do I do? Do I uh, uh, hope that they can never link the two? Do I uh, give them the, the information about the misconduct? Well, you always have to assume, uh, Steve, that they'll find it uh, one way or another. And and so it's not likely that you'll be able to kind of get away with it if you don't disclose it. So I think the best policy here, the best practice would be to disclose this misconduct and, and explain it. And, you know, whether it's an employer or professional associations, it's never a black and white thing. Well, if you... Uh, got this this professional misconduct, then you're out. No, there's there's levels of professional misconduct, and there's time that passes. So, and, and you know, there's a lot of gray here. So, I think that you you count on that and do what you can to to assuage any concerns that anyone would have. Uh, but to I, I don't like the idea of not disclosing that because then you don't even have an opportunity to explain it away. So uh, that's how I would proceed. No, just a question, like. In the misconduct, what was what happened was that uh, I was given a reprimand and my license was suspended for six months. Now, yeah. if, if it wasn't if I if I was able to keep my license, generally would not be considered minor. Yes, it, it would be considered minor. Minor, and again, it's never a black and white. It's not that well. If it's minor, therefore you're in, or if it's major, you're out. There's levels of discretion there. At the end of the day, people make these decisions, right? So I think that you you hope that common sense and and logic will prevail, and they realize that you know one incident does not a person make. Uh, but the best advice I can give you is to be honest and uh, honest and open about it. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the uh, the early call to reach out further. Uh, if you have any more questions after the show, you can do so. one 855 But always give us a call right here, right now. Get some answers. Doesn't take long, right? Pretty quick. 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. Steve, uh, thanks for hanging on, pal. You're up next. How are you? Good. How are you doing? 
Love and life. It's bright and sunny. What's your question, pal? Oh, that's what I'm doing, just driving this nice sunny weather while my wife yep. is, but uh, I'm a passenger. Quick question for you. I'm a project manager for a company. Signed a, a contract five years ago, and during the negotiations, it was uh, I was told it was three weeks, three weeks maximum for uh, vacation pay. So I went to my boss, and then to my fifth year, asked him for four weeks. He said, well, that's not what we negotiated back then. But I had recently found out that another gentleman that's a project, not a project manager, but a QA manager in the same firm was hired relatively the same time as me, negotiated and got four weeks. So I said, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, that's bad faith in negotiation. Then I find out one of the uh, head estimators has like five and a half, six weeks. So I'm going, well, how's that fair? Even though uh, I signed the contract, I want a, a new contract. And uh, we'll, what's your advice on that? So certainly what you've described, unfair. No no person would ever tell you that it's fair. And certainly I'm not going to say that it's fair. It's, it, it is unfair. But the real mm-hmm. question is whether it's illegal. And the answer is it's not. Because what from a legal standpoint, what they have to do is to abide by the terms that you agree to. So if you mm-hmm. reach the deal that it was three weeks vacation and, you know, maybe you could have pushed more, maybe they wouldn't have agreed, but ultimately that was the deal. That's what they have to abide by, and they don't have the obligation to increase it or to to make it fair. They should make it fair from a from a practical standpoint, from an HR standpoint, but from a legal standpoint, they're not required. So, other than to to discuss this with them and make them realize that it's going to make you a happier employee and you're going to be more dedicated to the company. Beyond that, there's nothing that you can actually make them do to increase your vacation as long as they abide by the deal you you originally reached. Correct. Okay. I appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Maybe we lost John there. So no, I'm here. There oh, we are. Here. Yeah, oh, that was interesting. Guys. A little blip in technology. But uh, <laughs> I want to want to thank uh, Steve awesome. for for chiming in. Thanks, pal. Again, reaching Lior afterwards. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Loving the early phone calls. Keep it up. Love talking to you. Four one six eight seven two ten ten. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Lior. I'm um, calling on behalf of a friend. He's on his third layoff. Um, and I, I understand, like, he, there's nothing he can do for a long time. But my, it took him two days to find a better job. So if and when he's ever entitled to severance, would it even be worth pursuing because he lost so little money? So what do you mean he can't do anything for, for a long time? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Okay, uh, well, I've been reading up on this. Um, he's on his third layoff, so he couldn't... Uh, claim constructive dismissal right off the bat, but I, but I understand if he's if he's never recalled, there comes a time when he can do something. So okay, so what you're saying is that in the past, during the course of his employment, he's been put on a temporary layoff. <clears throat> yes. So so now he's and again and you're then in that situation you're absolutely correct because if this was the first time he was put on a temporary layoff he can yeah. treat that as a termination but because he let it he accepted it in the past now they have a right to lay him off potentially for for a while uh, so if they, he doesn't get recalled then yes at that point he is owed severance now because he found the job quickly he may only be entitled to his minimum entitlements, so that could be less than his full entitlements, but he would absolutely be owed severance. Now, do you know how long he's worked for this company? 
Yeah, he's about 40. He's non-union. He's a welder. I don't know what he makes, and he's, he has 20 years of service. So if it's a, his minimum entitlements, if it's a large company, would be 28 weeks. If it's a small company, it would only be eight weeks. Now, keep in mind, if he hadn't found another job, then he could be owed much more. He could be owed you know, 18, 20 months of severance. But the other thing you, you want to keep in mind is who knows what his situation is at the time when he doesn't get recalled. So let's say the recall date is three months from now, just as an example. If at that point, maybe he lost his job and he's not working, he still is owed his full severance. So the best time to deal with this is at the time when the recall should have happened. If it does not happen, he's owed severance. It could be his minimum or maybe even his full entitlements, depending on his job status. Either way, you should really give me a call at that time and I'll be happy to talk to him. Okay. Um, it sounds like it's a small company, so it looks sounds like he might only get eight weeks. No, That's I don't right. Want to take business yeah. away from your company, but would employment standards enforce that? Em- employment standards would enforce that. Uh, absolutely, they would. If that's all he's owed. But again, depending on his job status at the time, he could be owed much, much more than that. It could be eighteen or twenty months. If he's still gainfully employed and and that job is not at risk, then employment standards to get his minimum entitlements can absolutely help him. Oh, thank you so much, Lior. Have a nice day. You too. Appreciate the call, Bill. Obviously, he kind of knows what he's talking about. He's probably heard the show before. We uh, we really appreciate that. Again, we got lots of time. Just getting warmed up here for the uh, for the hour four one six eight seven two ten ten. So keep them coming. Still got a couple minutes, Bill, before we break. Uh, let's get into that uh, the week that was stuff you wanted to talk about. What did you have in mind? So, John, I, I spoke with a lady who is currently on a parental leave, okay. and she hadn't yet necessarily decided when she's coming back, but it's going to be at least another four months. It could even she may even decide to stay off longer. Well, once you know it, right before the weekend, she gets uh, a call from her employer. At least uh, they had the decency of calling her and saying, well, unfortunately, we don't have a job for you. Just wanted to give you the heads up. We wanted to be proactive and tell you we don't have a job for you. So when you won't be able to come back, we'll pay you severance, of course, but we don't have a job. So she called me. Well, the problem is an employer has the obligation to to bring you back in parentally. So her employer had to has to bring her back. And the only time they can determine if they're able to do that is at the end of the leave. They can't know today that four, five, six months from now, they're not going to have a job. So what they've done, actually, just by telling her, we already know, we're clairvoyant. We know that uh, months from now, we're not going to have a job. They've breached the Employment Standards Act. They've potentially breached the Human Rights Code. It's illegal what they've done. It's okay to say, listen, right now, we don't know if we're going to have a job, but we're going to do everything possible, and and we're going to keep you posted perfectly good to do that but not to tell her just so you know you're gone we've decided no job for you so if you're on a parental leave and your employer jumps the gun to tell you that you don't have a job that is illegal they can't do that so that alone is entitling her to additional compensation uh i'm gonna work with her on this but there's an important reminder there john for both employees and employers Fantastic opening segment. Let's take a short break, pal. We'll get back to more of your calls. So this is your opportunity to grab a phone and give us a call, get some answers. It won't cost you anything. Just uh, pick up the phone, join the show. 416-872-1010 is the number. Emails are answers at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue Employment Law Show right here on the Bell Talk Radio Network. 
I think we're back here. And there we are. There we yeah, are, Johnny. Yo, the, the gremlins are on the internet today, buddy. You keep yelling at people, nobody answers. I thought it was just me, but it's not, apparently. Uh, yeah, we're back at it. Again, anytime you want to call into the show, we ask you for this hour, you can do that. But you can also reach Leo anytime for a private conversation and his team. They would uh, love to talk to you. one 821 5900 But here now, 416-872-1010. Hopefully, I'm good to go for the rest of the hour. Clara, thank you for hanging on. How are you? Hi there, I'm good. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, what's your concern, my friend? So, um, I've been employed for five years now with my current employer, and they've recently announced they're going to be going through a restructuring. However, I am about five months pregnant, and I have not told them yet. And I'm wondering if it's advisable to um, tell them now or try to hold off as much as I can but I don't think I'll be able to hold off much longer for obvious physical reasons. Um, and I'm wondering if I do tell them, does this get me a bit more protection or what are my risks? Excellent question. So mm-hmm. let me start by saying uh, that you have no legal obligation whatsoever to tell them whether now or at any other point that, that you're pregnant, that is personal, and, and, and uh, until you take a leave and you announce that leave, it's your business. So right off the bat, you'll do it if you think it makes sense, and I'll talk to you about that in a second, but you don't have to do it uh, as, a, as an obligation. Now, the real question is, should you be doing that? So here's how I look at it. I think you should. I think you should because uh, your employer can, can plan you know, what its next year or two looks like, and it actually can help you because an employer with any sense of, of, of law and any, frankly, half a brain will understand that to try to make a move and let someone go uh, days or weeks or after they announce they're pregnant is just terrible. It's a, a completely illegal and puts them in deep trouble. So you actually could be getting protected, if you will, by telling them that. They may say, you know what, we don't want to impact Clara's employment. We don't want Clara to think that we're doing something because she's pregnant. So so Clara is untouchable. So yeah, I think you should tell, but ultimately, if you're not comfortable, if you'd rather keep that from, from them, you're not doing anything wrong whatsoever. But in your particular situation, I can see that helping you. Now, if you decide to tell them and something bad happens, call me. I'll deal with it. There are several laws protecting you here, so it's not something you need to worry about too much. If they try to do anything, there's going to be some significant consequences for them. Okay, that's really comforting to hear. I was worried that they might be protected under a mass, um, I guess, layoff um, and could use that to cover up the reason for firing me. Okay. No, they, they could not. They, they, there's nothing that would trump your rights as, as someone that's pregnant and someone that's going to take a leave. So, no, I, I wouldn't worry about that. So if you're otherwise comfortable telling them, you can go ahead. But like I said, ultimately, you do not have to. But as you said, at some point, probably fairly soon, they'll, they'll be able to probably notice that themselves. <laughs> uh, so you may just want to tell them knowing that nothing bad can ha- can happen if you tell them. Okay, that's so helpful. I really appreciate it. 
You bet, Clara. Thank you uh, so much as well. I'll give you that number as well. You want to have a conversation for any more uh, concerns at this point, 1-855-821-5900, or you can email Lior, answers at employmentlawyer.ca. we got open lines. we got lots of time, so let's uh, let's keep it going here. 416-872-1010 to call into the show and ask your employment law questions. Getting down to it, pal. The topic, as I mentioned way back when, before all these uh, excellent callers decided to, to join us on the show this afternoon, what you're getting wrong about terminology this is a huge list, and this will open up many eyes. First one is this, and uh, we've come, we've kind of heard this says, you know, I didn't really do anything wrong, Lior. Can my employer still terminate my employment? Doesn't seem right. Yeah, it doesn't seem right, does it? You've done nothing wrong, and and you know maybe you've even worked for the company for a long time. Maybe you've even uh, performed better than others. So why right. are you being let go? I think it's fair to say that that's not a fair thing to do. But as I was saying to an earlier caller, the question is, is it legal? And the answer is, it is. It is legal to let someone go, even if they've done nothing wrong, even if they're a good employee. The law really stays out of that as long as the employer pays the full and proper severance that that employee is owed. So you can be let go ultimately, even if you've done nothing wrong, or even if there's no reason, or even if the employer gives you a reason that's not true, a false reason. They can do that, of course, but they have to pay you proper severance couple things I'll say. Number one is you can't be let go for a discriminatory reason. Okay. That's an exception. So just like I was saying, Clara, before she cannot be let go because she's pregnant. You also can't be let go because of a disability that you have or because of your age or religion. That is illegal. But if it's not discriminatory, usually you can be let go. The other thing I'll say is I've said here that Well, an employer can let you go as long as they pay you severance. In over 90% of cases, the severance offered is not enough. So you're owed much, much more. And that's where I come in if you are let go. Uh, But generally, yeah, you can be let go. And you can always uh, phone Lior now that you mentioned it, pal, or you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca because you, you might have just been thinking, okay, I got the severance. How, how do I possibly know what severance I get? I thought it was a week per year, two weeks per year. No, no, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Write that down. You go there. The severance calculator is rolled into that website. It's free. It's anonymous. 30 seconds to use it, and it will give you an actual number of what you're owed so you don't get ripped off if it ever uh, comes down the pike. Next uh, next point in this one, when you're getting uh, what you're getting wrong about terminations, I've been terminated for what they call just cause, or That's what they threw at me. Um, I'm not on any severance, am I? Or am I? What do you think? Well, this is a very common situation. A company says, no, no, we here's all these things we think you did wrong, so we believe we have just cause to let you go. And because we have just cause, we're not going to pay you any severance. We're just going to walk you out and, and say goodbye. Well, not so fast, not at all. Because the only time you can be let go without severance, the only time the company truly has just cause is if what you've done is so bad that it's just not possible to continue employing you. It's not enough to show that uh, you've, you've done something wrong. It's not enough to show that you've done a few things wrong. It needs to be much, much more than that. And I've seen this happen more times than I can count, hundreds of times when an employer jumps the gun. Oh, no, look, he did something wrong. He made a mistake here or he was late uh, or you know something happened. We have just cause. Not fast, not so fast at all. In the vast majority of cases, even if you've done something wrong, it's not cause. You're owed your full severance, as much as 24 months pay. So, Remember, even if you know you've done something wrong and you lose your job, you may still be owed a lot of severance. 
this one always comes up with the things you're getting wrong with termination. Say, Leo, oh, yeah, I get that. But, you know, I could phone you, you know, I could talk to you. But, you know, I got a buddy who says, you know, just go to the Ministry of Labor. It's baked into the name. That's what they're going to tell me how much severance I'm owed as far as my package. Why can't I just go there? Well, it's even more than that. They, they say, we even give you a, a toll-free number to call. <laughs> and operators are waiting for your calls, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Uh, what, what, what a great system, you may think. Well, why don't I just call the Ministry of Labor? Mm-hmm. They'll help me. And, you know, all's good. Well, no, you cannot. Now, you cannot go to the Ministry of Labor. You cannot go to the government when it comes to termination of employment with respect to getting your full severance. And the reason for that, the government, the Ministry of Labor can only help you enforce your minimum entitlements. In other words, only a small fraction of what you're actually owed. So if you're being let go after 20 20 years, Well, your minimum entitlements may be eight weeks, and yes, the government can help you enforce those, but your full entitlements could be two years. Government can help you, and it gets worse. By going to the government, you've then uh, given up your full rights. You can't then change your mind and say, wait a second, I made a mistake, so now I'm going to hire Lior. You can't. You're blocked. You're done. So if you lose your job, you have to contact me. Go to the Ministry of Labor for overtime issues, vacation pay issues. Absolutely. If you lose your job, you have to give me a call. That's kind of one of those after the fact uh, realizations you never want to hear is, oh, I could have come to you. What, what do you mean? I missed out on 12 month severance. Now you, you can't go back to it, right? We'll get that phone call in the air that's uh, coming in now. Plus, you have some time to pick up a phone and call us. Join the show, 416 872 1010. I see you there, Melissa. We're going to get to you after a short break. And your emails, if we have time a little later on in the hour, answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Loving this on a Sunday afternoon. Keep it coming, and we'll keep it coming right here on the Employment Law Show on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for uh, working through the break with us. We'd love to have you here on a uh, beautiful Sunday afternoon. This is just stellar today. Uh, The phone calls keep coming. We love that. Be part of the show. 416-872-1010 is exactly how you get on air with us. And uh, always welcome you to do so. Melissa, thank you so much for hanging through the break. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time. What's your question? Um, So I work for a vaccination clinic. And we have been working since 2021, January, a group of us. We're under a temporary contract part-time, and it's been extended six months at a time since January 2020, 2021, sorry. And um, we are coming due, our contract is coming due at, in June. And is there going to be severance for that? Or is what, are, what will it look like when we get laid off? as a group. So, uh, Melissa, my understanding is this is a unionized position? It is. So, whether or not uh, there's going to be severance, and and if so, how much will be, the answer will be somewhere in the collective agreement, and your union can guide you. Realistically, there's not going to be, likely, there's not going to be any severance, and even if there was, there would be something minimal, something maybe a week's pay or something like that, no more. That's one of the, the downfalls, if you will, of being in a unionized role. But mm-hmm. your union can tell you specifically if or what you're entitled to. And if there's a problem, the union is the only one that can help you and, and represent you. But chances mm-hmm. are that you're not going to be seeing any severance. So I've also heard people say that they're not supposed to keep it a temporary position for longer than six months. Is there any truth to that? 
that that again would depend on your on your collective agreement. If the collective agreement says that after six months you're automatically a full employee with all of the the rights and benefits, then absolutely. But that would be in your collective agreement. And again, your union can can tell you if that's the case and and what happens if the employer doesn't do what they're supposed to. I see. Okay. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye. Looks like Johnny's gremlins are. are uh, I know, right? Up. Yeah, what's seriously, going on there, Johnny? I'm, I'm on the other line with my internet provider. Don't worry, I'm yelling at them. I'm being calm on this side. Uh, <laughs> Want to thank Melissa for calling in. Appreciate it, Melissa. You're having a better time than me, that's for sure. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the way to uh, get a hold of you or Melissa or you as well after the show. But here and now, love it four one six eight seven two ten ten is the way. Lori, you are up next. Good afternoon. Yes. Good afternoon. Okay, I'll try and be brief because it's a big story, but I've been a sales rep <laughs> for 22 and a half years. Um, ten and a half years ago, I found out that my colleague, who was hired, we were hired 10 months apart, him prior to me, to do the same job, and found out that he made 22% more than me. Consequently, um, you know, I let that go and found out a year ago, October, that a sales rep, male, again, um, made more than me. You know, he was in school when I joined this firm. And then two other reps I know make more than me. My territory is the largest. I bring in the most money. And now I found out that that rep that started 10 months before me in the same job makes about 33% more than me. So he was getting larger raises through the whole thing, and my territory was always larger than his. The next guy down to me, I'd probably bring in 1.8 million U.S. more than him. Do I have a case? And can I go back to get back pay? So it really comes down to whether or not this disparity is is essentially gender discrimination. In other words, are they saying, well, uh, Lori is, is a woman, so we're going to pay her less than Bob, who is a man. If that's the case, then that, that's human rights and, and a violation, and that's illegal. And yes, you can actually get back pay going back quite a few years, especially if you just discovered this recently. But in, in, in practical terms, these things are difficult to prove because it's not enough to show that I make less money than the other person. Uh, it really has to be clear that there's no other reason to explain it. And oftentimes how employers explain it is to say, well, they negotiated a different deal, a better deal. Uh, you know, maybe at the time we, we were more generous or at the time we needed people more, so we were willing to to give a better deal. Uh, so it's not easy to, to say that uh, just because I'm a female and someone else is a male, uh, that automatically means that there's age or, or gender discrimination. But if it's clear that that's the only reason and, uh, and and there's no other really way to explain it, then yeah, you may be looking at human rights uh, uh, issues here, and I'd be more than happy to connect with you and explore this further and to decide whether this can be pursued. Uh, but just a heads up, that's probably not the most straightforward of human rights cases to make out. Well, I was told by my manager that the guy that started 10 months before me was a better negotiator. And so when I started, um, uh, I was told what the salary was, you know. So there was, you know, probably about 20% difference rate from the get-go. You know, if I wanted that job, how would I negotiate wanting the job? Well, I mean, 
your employer says, we'll, we'll pay you $50,000. So, uh, great, I love the job, but I want to make 62000 And oftentimes there's a negotiation that happens at that point. So it's certainly possible. Again, I obviously don't know the specifics that some of your colleagues may have done that. And maybe in those situations, the employer was willing to do that. Again, maybe there was more of a need. Maybe they were more eager to hire people. They needed some, some bodies. Uh, so... So there's always that possibility here. Uh, it's not necessarily that just because we're talking uh, men and women that there's obviously a, uh, a human rights gender issue here. Well, that makes me sad. <laughs> so I really don't have much recourse then because they're going to say it was they did a better job negotiating mm. than you did. It, it, it would be tough. It would be tough. But that said, I think you bring this up to your employer and, and you say, listen, I, I like this job. I, I don't want to feel that because I'm a woman, even though I do well, I get paid less. So I want to be happy. I want to be dedicated. Help me out here. Oftentimes, a good employer is going to say, okay, let's let's figure something to make you happy. It may not be exactly the same as what your colleagues are making, but let's get you closer to that. Uh, so I think it's worth a try, uh, and, and hopefully that works. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Lori. Appreciate your time, and uh, feel free to follow up with us at uh, a later date if that conversation happens. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, you can, you know, if if she's if she's the stellar employee that she she appears to be based on her record, they would want to make her happy if she came with some some concern. I know you would if you were her employer saying, "Okay, we got a good one here. We don't want to lose her. Let's let's sweeten the pot a little, right?" Well, that's point number one and probably the main one that yes you would want to keep a good employee happy and dedicated and wanting to stay but i would also be thinking about the optics you know how is that that it looks like i'm paying men one thing and women something else i need to deal with that regardless of how we got to this point Mm -hmm. we shouldn't make it seem like we're we're discriminating so i'd be mindful of that and i think a good employer would be mindful of that and want to do something to avoid that situation altogether Again, guys, 416-872-1010 to make that phone call, just like Lori and all the uh, listeners previous to her. Join the show. Ask your questions. Get some answers. Takes very little effort. 416-872-1010. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. But back to the topic uh, before we get into a break here in a few minutes and what you're getting wrong about terminations. This next one, my employer is uh, is largely or sophisticated company. They've got, uh, you know, they've got some resources. Surely they've offered me a reasonable severance package. They have an HR department. They should know, right? John, when people accept inadequate severance, which happens unfortunately very often, it's for that reason. That's certainly one of the main reasons. Well, if the company says I'm owed this, well, I'm sure they know. And, you know, I've had a good relationship with them. And if they tell me I'm owed six weeks, that's probably right. And maybe even if they're off, maybe it's seven weeks instead of six, I'll just sign it, be done and move on. Not so fast, not at all. And, uh, you know, 20 years of doing this, small companies, large companies, sophisticated companies, not such sophisticated companies. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. Employers offer a lot less severance than what the person is owed. Now, maybe they don't know any better. That happens too, believe it or not, very often. But beyond that, many cases, your employer hopes that you may not know better. They know, yeah, of course we owe more. But hey, chances are this employee is not going to know any better and they'll accept which is great for us. We've just saved a bunch of money, which is why it's your responsibility as the employee to make sure you get proper severance and you can't take anyone's word for it. Certainly not your employers whose goal is to pay as little as possible. That's why we have the severance calculator. You can find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's there for you 24-7 to figure out just how much you're owed. Maybe it's two months you're owed. Maybe it's 24 months that you're owed. Either way, it's there for you. You can, of course, always call me. In 90% of cases, 
even with large, very sophisticated companies, and 90%, the severance offered is completely inadequate. The person is owed much more, not a week more, two weeks more, several months more. So do the right thing. Doesn't matter who you work for, what kind of company. Go to the severance calculator or call me. Make sure you don't sign until you do that. You know, it's interesting that point about the employer saying, ah, chances are they're not going to know any better. That kind of falls in the same arena as the next one is that my employer gave me a week to accept this offer. And will I lose it if I don't accept? Again, employers probably thinking, ah, we'll apply some pressure and get this done and, and done and gone, right? Every severance letter has a deadline, an expiry date. Right. So uh, you signed this by Friday or we're not going to pay you the full amount. We're going to pay you less unless you sign by Friday. And man, we all want to get paid more. We don't want to get paid less, right? So there's that pressure there that, that uh, accumulates. I better sign this by the Friday or I'm going to lose something. Wrong. Guess what? The offer that they made you that expires by Friday is a lot less than what you're actually owed. So no, you don't want to sign that. And your rights don't expire on the Friday. Nothing happens if you don't sign this by Friday. The only thing that happens is you have an opportunity to get your proper severance. So that deadline is meaningless. Your rights don't expire then. You have to make sure you get your full severance. And you can't do that if you accept and then decide to get advice. So let's not put the cart before the horse. Call me as soon as you let go. What you're getting wrong about terminations, we'll continue that discussion after a short break and back into your phone calls as well. Bring them on. you lots of time still. 416-872-1010. If we got time for an email or two, that is answers at employmentlawyer.ca. We continue. This is the Employment Law Show, Bell Talk Radio Network. Hey, welcome back. About uh, one fifty here on a, uh, again, gorgeous Sunday afternoon. We're loving this. And your phone calls, 416-872-1010. Email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get back to our topic. But first, as always, our uh, loyal listeners and callers, the good listenership is always number one. Winston, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks. Good. What's on your mind? Yeah, I have an incident at work where I was uh, given a warning based on safety. And the uh, record has been filed, shouldn't have been filed. A uh, position came up and I applied for the position. I passed the interview, but was told that I cannot follow through to that position because I have a safety uh, violation on file. So they give that position to the person next in uh, the queue, with the persons that passed the uh, interview. I need to verify how I can actually follow through to override that that situation. Mm. So I get the job. So Winston, is this a unionized uh, job? Not a unionized. Okay. So in a non-unionized uh, environment, your employer gets to choose who they want to hire and, and who they don't want to hire. And it's up to them to decide what they want to take into consideration in making those decisions. And I think the only way you can, uh, you know, make make them not worried and, and control those concerns that they have is simply with time. So I think as time goes on and you show that, you know, this is an isolated incident and you've done well and there's really no concerns, I don't think that incident is going to become relevant. But I think that's simply going to take some time until that happens there's nothing really you can do from a legal standpoint to, to force them to give you another job or to force them to uh, ignore that previous incident. You can obviously talk to them about it and reaffirm your dedication to safety and, and how this will never happen again, and that, that may help. 
But I think the best remedy here is going to be time, uh, and hopefully that uh, allows uh, allows you to move forward with them. So the, the supervisor actually gave me that warning. He made like a arrow and uh, like uh, that safety issue. However, they let it stand because it's safety, and now I'm suffering the consequences. So what will happen is for that position to come around again, it may be for another, say, two, three years. I have the seniority, a person which is of very less seniority actually, like, absorb that position. You mean that there is nothing I can do about it? So in a non-union environment, seniority doesn't really matter in the sense that the company doesn't have to give the job to the most senior position. In a union environment, they have to follow seniority. But so regardless of the safety violation, they can say, you know what, we like Joe more, so we're going to give it to Joe even though he's more junior. So there's not much that you can do. I think it's a good idea to send an email so it's on the record and in writing, explaining again why that safety violation really wasn't a violation, why that was a mistake, so that they know about that, and hopefully that helps you. But ultimately, the fact that you're more senior than someone, that alone is not going to help here. Okay. Thank you so much. Very good. Thank you, Winston. Appreciate that. And as we always uh, always like to say, any more information or any further chat with Lior and a member of his team, you can do so. one 821 5900 But here and now, 416-872-1010 is how we do it. Uh, and it'll be uh, Vitpol. How are you? Good afternoon. Hey, I'm good. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. What's on your mind, pal? So I got a question for my wife. She has started a new job back in October. She got a probation of six months. Now, we have to go out of country for 15 days to perform one of our religious things for my son. And we asked our company to give us a 15 days off. They denied that uh, application for leave. So we asked them, like, can we get an unpaid days off? We don't mind if we get an unpaid days because this is something important. We want to go. And this is, we cannot avoid that. And they, they denied that application and asked her, like, if you want to go, you need to resign. And that's mm-hmm. the only option for her. So it comes down to, uh, in this situation, Vipul, as to whether or not this, this religious thing you have to do uh, overseas is something that's necessary for your religion. It's one thing to say, yeah, this is something that we want to do, it's important to us, absolutely. But it's another thing to say, no, no, this is necessary. We can't do this unless we go away. We can't do this here. Because if it's something that's necessary, then they have the legal obligation to accommodate. And yes, that means giving you the time off, even though it's unpaid. But if it's a, a decision as opposed to something that's necessary, then they don't have to accommodate. Here's what I would say. If in fact it's, again, I'm not a religious expert by any stretch, but if it's something that's necessary for your religion, you have to perform the ceremony and it has to be abroad, then get a a religious leader in your community, whoever that is, a a minister or whatever the, the right person is, to write a note to your employer explaining that. At that point, if they refuse to accommodate, let me know. I could probably get them to accommodate. But it has to be something that's necessary for your religion for them to have that obligation to accommodate. Okay. Uh, is, uh, can you share me a phone number? Uh, I can yeah, I'll give it to you right now, Vipul. No problem. It's one 855 821 5900 Again, one 855 821 
800-821-5900 and answers at employmentlawyer.ca should uh, should take care of it for you. Thanks for calling in, pal. That's an interesting point you uh, you raised there, Lior. So if it's if they have to give it to you, if it's something necessary for a religious belief traveling abroad, they got to give you the time off. Does it have to be paid or can they still do it? Okay, we have to give it to you. We get that, but you're not getting paid for it. No, it does not have to okay. be paid. It can be unpaid. The accommodation here would be that we're giving you the time off and we're keeping your job. You're not being let go. You're not going to be penalized. But if you're actually not working while you're away, then your employer doesn't have to pay you. So it absolutely can be unpaid. Gotcha. Let's get down to a, a couple emails here. Francis says, uh, Leo, I received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my work performance. How many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can let me go for cause? So that's a very good question. It's a smart one because for an employer to terminate for cause, they really do need to show that they've engaged in prior discipline, that they've given the person an opportunity to uh, improve, that they've given the person the opportunity to do better and they couldn't, they tried and nothing happened. Maybe then can they terminate for cause. Now, how many warnings? Well, it does depend on what you're doing. If it's a very serious offense, you don't need a lot of warnings. If it's something very minor, you're late a couple of minutes, then they need a bunch of those warnings. Generally speaking, I would say it shouldn't be less than three. So three prior warnings, including a final warning, right. uh, is what I would expect to see before an employer can say, you know, that's just cause. And John, in my uh, experience, most employers don't want to work that hard. They jump the gun, they terminate for cause before they should. And that, of course, is a wrongful dismissal. Let's get to Manny here with our last email, probably for the day. It says, guys, I quit my job last year. My wife still works for the same company, but they're treating her very badly because they're upset with me. What can she do about it? Well, certainly that could actually be a human rights violation because yeah. you're being mistreated because of your marital status, because of who you're married to. That can't be. Uh, it could also be a constructive dismissal. So now it's illegal always to be treated badly, by the way. You shouldn't be treated badly for any reason. That could be a constructive dismissal there. But in this case, also a human rights violation. So I would tell Manny or, or, or his wife to give me a call. and Let's talk about that. We may be able to get her out of there, get her compensated. Uh, and, and additional damage is also because of this human rights aspect. Lots of phone calls today. We really appreciate taking time out of uh, what's a stellar Sunday to grab a phone and pause everything to, uh, to chime into the show. Also, some great questions coming on air as well. We ask you to do that all the time and continue that conversation now that we're done formally for the uh, the day. How do you reach out to Leor and his team? 1-855-821-5900. We always tell you, never hesitate to make that call just to have a conversation. Uh, it is answers at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email I just used. And then finally, this website, Build just for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Learn a lot on there. There's contact information on pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and free and anonymous access to the severance calculator as well. Check that one out. And we'll catch you next weekend right here in the Employment Law Show, the Bell Talk Radio Network.